Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. I can do it. I love on the spot. Yeah, I always think you sing better standing up. I mean, we can do it. Oh, we, su- we, uh, we did this little course. When was it? Was it Sunday night? I love this. Yes, yeah, 401, if you don't know it, is Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Amen. Amen. I do it every time, Sister R. She, she got me last time. And I'm the one usually asking. Don't forget about the amen. As I said when I got caught on that, it means I agree. <laughs> so, all right, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Sister Debbie, for adding that. All right, well, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We've been in a Thanksgiving series, and um, this passage of Scripture, it wasn't too long ago, I, I spent uh, some time taking this, we know as the model prayer, and we dove pretty deep into it. I'm not going to do that this morning. We're going to get maybe the cliff note version, and uh, we've got a lot to cover and a short amount of time to do it. As Brother Andy Bonikowski said, I believe in miracles. And uh, so, anyway, I'd encourage you, he just released, he, he sent me a message, he said, just released a new uh, devotional, it's on YouTube, just type in his name, it'll come up, and you can subscribe. He does a great job with, with uh, devotionals. Uh, with Steve Meese is also another one that, that broadcasts uh, devotionals too. But uh, Andy Bonikowski uh, is releasing some. He's going, I'm trying to think, he's going through, um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. He's dealing with peace, this, 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 this new one. Oh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, etc. And so he's, he's going through that. And it was really good. I appreciated that. See, that may be a help to you. And I told him I would let you know. So I've done that. All right? Um, anyway, let's, uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 5 and read through verse 13. Okay? Um, 
through verse 13. Okay, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, let's begin. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Remember, this is Christ talking, okay? But, uh, but thou, when thou prayest, now we're talking, he's talking to his true followers, okay? Uh, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, or the unbeliever, um, or just the religious crowd. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye. So here's your instruction. Here's your model. Here is this sacrifice of prayer, if you will, that pleases the Father. So please take notice of this. Um, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together. Blessed, I pray you bless the reading of your word. And I pray today that we, uh, in our, in our uh, ways of which to be thankful, to materialize that, that we give this sacrifice of thanksgiving to you, which is prayer. There's many misconceptions, many times, and a lot of times we fumble around with our prayers and we don't make the best use of our prayers. But our Father, you help us to hear the words of our Savior and refine that so we can please you as we lift up um, prayer to you. And it also helps our own life as well, living uh, and receiving your will each and every day. Help me to disappear from the stage that each one only hear your voice. I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said... Amen. I want to begin by just giving you a, just a working definition of prayer. Um, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible really gives a, a good definition. Um, um, it goes like this. It is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to His will. In the name of Jesus, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. And so and I, I really like that definition. Oftentimes, as I said, sometimes we fumble around and misuse our prayers as if prayer is just to get what I want or just a way to call out to God when things aren't going my way. But prayer is much, much more uh, than that, dear Christian. Um, what you're going to find, I want to speak just to, to a couple of things, a little bit about the Old Testament and New Testament before we dive into this model prayer. But in the Old Testament, you're going to find with prayer, it's sort of an, an evolving thing. Um, Christ hadn't come yet to be the mediator as he did in the, in the New Testament. But you'll find in the Old Testament that it really gives us this picture that there is a distance between man and God. And thank we know Christ came and closed up that distance, amen, and allows God to be close to us when we put our faith and trust in him. But there is a distance. And you find in the Old Testament that oftentimes there had to be priests, there had to be an advocate Many times they would go to uh, the prophet of the town or the times, hey, I want to seek him that he may lift up petitions uh, for me. And there was exceptions to that. David and different ones may pray directly to God. But many times, 
Most of the time, there were advocates, uh, prophets and priests, if you will, to lift up, if you will, a sacrifice of prayer. You see, in the Old Testament, it's oftentimes joined up with a sacrifice and obedience. Prayer is in the time of the, um, the prophets and the priests. Now, listen, prayer is, is not just at its basis, just us seeking God. Why do we pray? It's, it hinges on the fact that God took the initiative to come to us. Amen? That's why we pray. It's not because I took the initiative to seek God, but that God took the initiative to seek me. And He seeks us all today. Amen? And I'm thankful for that because what that has done, what prompted the children of Israel to send up petitions and prayers to God is because God was the covenant God to them. And that in their prayer, they knew that their connection to God was dependent upon God. It was in His hands. And they loved God because of His covenant with them. And so therefore, they were moved to pray and seek Him. And folks, it's no different for us today. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have entered into a covenant of grace. And because God has sought you uh, out, as He does, as He says, it's not His will that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And you put your faith and trust in Him. It is at the basis, He sought you and initiated coming to you. And then you trusted Him because of that. You have a desire to pray and seek Him. And that's what prayer is all about. It's not just me, hey, I need something from God. No, what's drawing me to pray is that the Holy Spirit is within me and reminding me you would not be a child of God if Christ didn't make a way. You would have no hope if God did not make a way. And that draws my heart to want to pray and live in this state of being that I am dependent on Him. God is not a vending machine, right? That's not who he is. He is someone that I seek in my prayers because he first sought me. And that, that's really the basis and foundation of why we pray. And then you go into the New Testament and you'll find really what really dominates guiding us to really praying well that pleases God is Christ's own example and his teaching. The, 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 the apostle said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He had a desire to pray. Now, let me just ask this question. If, if I know that prayer pleases the Lord, wouldn't be the next question would be this, how should I pray so that I can please Him? Right? So prayer is not based on what I want prayer to be. Prayer should be designed and, and molded based on understanding that's within Scripture. Based on Scripture alone, God tells us this is how we should pray. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, your flesh wants you to pray one way. Am I the only one? But the Spirit will lead you to pray a different way. A way that glorifies God and truly helps you live the Christian life. So I just want to dive into that. Again, we're not going to spend but a few minutes on each one of these, but I want to just allow you to leave today being able to say, when I lift up my prayers down to God, this sacrifice of thanksgiving, I know that I'm going to please God better than I have. I'll tell you this, praying is something you grow in. It, it is. It, it, it truly is. Prayer is not about the length of the prayer. It's not about how beautiful it sounds to the human ear. It's about how it is structured from my heart to Him and how it pleases the ear of my Savior. 
And so I want to help us this morning. And who is better to help us pray to the Lord than the Lord himself? So we're going to do that. All right? And so uh, we see Jesus gives us, uh, gives us direction. That's really the one point, the main point. But we're going to unpack this, okay? Let's look um, at the first part here. He said, after this manner, therefore pray ye, verse 9. Okay? Notice this. Our Father which art in heaven. Okay? Now, what I want you to see here is this, is that what he's saying here, this is not a petition, it's an address. It is me addressing God as my Father. So you know what that tells me about prayer? That prayer, in that sense here, belongs to the believer. Our Father, who art in heaven. What we find here is this, is that what's rooted here is not just that... that A believer is a servant of God, but a believer is a son or daughter of God. You know, it's one thing to have an earthly mom and dad. It's one thing to have an earthly dad, but it's a totally different thing, out of this world thing, to have a heavenly father. And he's saying, listen, dear believer, my child, when you address him, you address him as who he is to you. He is your Father. There's, there's power in that. There's guidance to that in my life. That when I address them as that, that also reminds me that I'm in the hands of a loving Father. This isn't just God being a bully. You need to pray to me this way. No, He's helping you help yourself see Him in a way that guides you and allows you to be faithful in the ministry, in the Christian life. So we find here the Holy Spirit enables us in prayer to come to God in prayer and, and to seek him out. Um, we also find here is that Jesus is our mediator. There were different mediators throughout the Old Testament. But we find here Christ was, is the high priest. Turn to Hebrews 4 for just a moment. Um, Hebrews 4 and verse 14. There's other passages. 1 John uh, deals with Christ's ministry as an advocate. But I want to look at Hebrews 4 and verse 14 for just a moment. says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest, advocate, okay, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our, our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help in time of need. Can I tell you something? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, in Christ, you have been, uh, you have been put in as an adopted child. You, in essence, God sees you as you've done the work that Jesus did because you've been adopted in into the family of God. You have taken on what Christ's work on your behalf, and you have become a child of the King. Listen, our advocate, our high priest, he knows pain. He knows heartache. He knows the power of temptation. But he also knows that he conquered all of those things. So you are addressing a father through the strength of a Savior who is named Jesus. And I love that. And the only way that you can address the father as the father is knowing Christ as Savior. Think of it this way. 
You think about the President of the United States. There are people that can go and approach him. Okay, outside his family. But a lot of those people, they have merited, you know, they have credentials or accomplishments or things of that nature that allows them access to talk to the president directly. But it's different if you're one of his children. You don't have to have any meritorial thing to offer to approach the president. You don't have to have any great accomplishments. You are his child. So therefore, you're able to approach him. But we're not talking about the president. We're talking about the God of heaven. Our Father heart in heaven, Jesus, is the only one of which we can have access to God and him become our Father. But also notice this. He said our Father art in heaven. He's above all things. He's the one we should reach out to. He's above all that we go through. And he can lead us through. He is holy. And he goes on to say, look at this. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. When I, when I think about that and we're praying that, you know what that's really meaning for us? It's, it's, it's simply this, that we have a desire for the world to see him as the holy God that he is. Hallowed be thy name. Listen, if you don't remind yourself, you don't stay close to the Spirit and pray this way, you will begin to not uh, have a focus on the holiness of God. But when you, if you incorporate this prayer that Christ says to model your prayers by, and you're always recognizing every day, multiple times a day, that God is holy, guess what oftentimes follows? Your life. You think and dwell on that. And guess what follows that? People begin to see that holiness in your life. Then they begin to inquire, why are they so different? And you, begin to answer, you can answer that question because I belong to a holy Father who is in heaven. This prayer is so important for us to maintain that perspective that God is holy. Have you ever, have you ever, how many of y'all have glasses? Several. Why do you wear glasses? Okay, because some things are a little obscure to you. See, I just took my glasses off. Some of y'all are a little fuzzy. Y'all look great, by the way. No, I'm joking. Um, but things are a little obscure, nearsighted, farsighted, whatever, and you put glasses on to clarify what you're looking at. Wouldn't it be a tragedy that for us as Christians to make the holy God more obscure to the world than clear? Would you believe that the way we model our prayers would help and assist us to not make God look obscure, but actually let people see God more clearly? Oftentimes, your life begins to be molded and made, made by the way you pray. Amen? Prayer is a, is a tool of which molds you. This is, this is this, this Thanksgiving sacrifice to God, that not just to glorify Him, but it molds us. Hallowed be thy name. When we say, hallowed be thy name, it bears the sense of having grateful joy toward God and captivated by His beauty. That's, that, that's what it does for us. And then he goes on to say this, thy kingdom come. All right, I tell you, going, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. We'll get to that in just a moment. But we're getting ready, we're segueing into a part of this prayer now that oftentimes we may struggle with or that we get forgetful about this part. Because again, this is, this is really where your flesh is going to struggle, some, is really going to fight you. Because listen, your flesh is going to say, you're the king of your kingdom. Right? 
It's all about you. And that's humanism, right? And that's what this world is all about. But here as Christ says, I want you to lift up this petition, this prayer. Model your prayer like this. Lord, it's about your kingdom to come. Not mine, but, but yours. Who believes God is reigning right now? Then why is it oftentimes that so little is proven about that by God's children? How often have you said, God, let your king... I mean, I actually prayed this and, 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 and put it in your heart and, and meant it. God, I want your kingdom to come. But how many times does our life reveal so little of that so-called desire that we have? If we truly are, I think, praying this and lifting this prayer up to God, it has a power on our life, dear friend, for us to be living in such a way that people see they're not living for themselves. They're living for someone totally different than for themselves. They're not desiring, you know, uh, things of their own selves. They're desiring a different kingdom. And in praying this, people are to see from your life that they're not seeking any kingdom on this earth. No matter what state or country or, you know, uh, world or country that you go to, nothing resembles what they're searching for. They're searching a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. Do you find that your life shows people that you believe that God is on the throne and it is about His kingdom? Or do people see that, that really you're living... More so for yourself. What we see here is this. It's a lordship petition. It's simply saying this, Father, I want you to have every part of me. Every part of me, I want you to have your kingdom come. I'm about your kingdom. Every part of me, I submit to you. I want you to be the Father and Lord, or the Lord of every part of my life. Dads, can I tell you something? It is your responsibility to lead your family in such a prayer, such a life. Family, it's about God. When it comes to what you, in your marriage that you do or your kids get, in, uh, get into as far as things of activities or whatever, can I tell you something? I think if you're praying this, you're less likely going to allow your kids to be things that take them away from church. I know, and I'm not saying that to be hurtful. I'm, I want to help you. Listen, I've got to be praying this because Henry and James are going to be growing up. They're going to say, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm going to begin to think, they're little machines. They're not machines. They're little human beings that are finite. They need God more than they need things. And i got to love them enough to say, no, you can do two of the three, but you can't do the three because you're not a machine. And I belong to God. My fatherhood belongs to God. And I want His kingdom to be in my home. Your kingdom come. Right? I want my heart to be, if you want your heart to fully be filled with joy that's lasting, pray for God's kingdom to come down into your life. But he also says this, and what this really strikes at the heart again, thy will be done. Can we say that together? Ready to begin. Thy will be done. But here's the thing, it's got to go from your mouth to your heart. The only way it gets to your hands and feet, it's got to get to your heart. So he says, don't be like the hypocrites and just give this elaborate speech. But I want you to get in your closet. And what he's saying here, here is where, here is where you get into the closet. Here is where you mean business with God. This is the kind of prayer that really you're getting in there to a place that's quiet and confines just you and God. And you are meaning business with God in a way that glorifies Him. And so thy will 
be done. Um, I'll say this much. Those who trust God. When I say trust God, I mean fully trust God. Only those will pray this consistently. Why would you say that? Well, the only reason I would give all of myself and my family, my children, and my life, and put my, all of that in the hands of someone, that would be a fully and complete trust that I hand them over. And when I pray this, I am, I am conditioning my heart as well, saying that I trust God. And the Holy Spirit helps me do that. He reminds me of the reasons of which I should trust Him. He reminds me of my conversion. He reminds me of God's provision. He reminds me of God's sovereignty. And therefore, he, we, have, we have no excuses. There's no good excuse not to pray this. Thy will be done. But a heart must fully trust God to do this. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm talking about moments when people have hurt you and you want to seek revenge. I'm talking about times when you want to control your life because you think you know what's best. I'm talking about when, when the environments or the circumstances really are pressuring you to do something different. But the Spirit of God's saying, no, it's, it, it's God's will. I know the circumstance is hard. I know that person hurt you. I know they're giving you reasons to walk away from the faith and walk away from church and walk away from your marriage and all this. But listen... When you pray, thy will be done, you're going to find yourself being more, having more stickability in the areas that matter most. Amen? How fewer, how few, how fewer divorces or, or, or men or women leaving their marriages if this was truly prayed wholeheartedly, faithfully to God. How many hearts would say, even though I don't want to and they give me no reason to, I want God's will to be done. I gave this illustration, and i got to hurry, in the classroom. This husband and wife were in the car, and he, man, he, he was just being terrible. They just, and so, long story short, she gets out of the car. He says, I don't know if he called her woman or not, but you want to get, get a wife mad, call her woman. It's just, it's just not very respectful. Anyway, he may have. But the story goes like this. He said, you get in this car right now. Just demanding. She said, I just want you to know something. I'm going to get in the car, but it's not for you. It's for the Lord. That's hard. But that does come from a heart that's praying, thy will be done. I want to follow you. Um... He goes on to say this, give us this day our daily bread. Who believes that we serve a God who gives us our daily provisions? Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. This, this part of the prayer here is concerning our necessities. Let me give you a verse in the Old Testament. It's a proverb, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Notice this, listen. Lest I be full and deny thee. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. What this does, it allow, the praying this 
give us this day our daily bread allows us approaching a God to expect and receive a positive response from Him. You know, one of the ways for people to not be thankful, one, one way that sets us up is just to get everything we want, right? Everything we want, and abundance, and abundance, and abundance. And you begin to think sometimes that, you know, I, you don't even really think about God about when it comes to your needs. You've got all this stuff. But he says here, and it's not, it's not bad to have in abundance, but he's saying here more so this, that, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I am fine with just receiving enough. Because I know even if I just receive enough, I know that my heart's going to be more postured to worship you better. I'm going to be fine with that. Father, if you allow famine to come and I've just got, you know, just a, a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil to make me some cakes, like the widow and the prophet Elijah, you know, uh, just a little bit to, to, to continue on and feed my family. God, I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to be okay with that. If you give me more, I'll thank you for that. Lord, give me enough because I know for certain getting enough will allow me to worship you authentically, faithfully, um, in a way also that people will see you. It sets us up well in our worship. It challenges our pride and it tests our spiritual uh, reality. Um, and so we want others to see God clearly. Let me give you um, this, this quote. I'm not exactly where it comes from. It said, if God answered the prayers of a believer who had an unforgiving spirit, he would dishonor his own name. How could God work through such a person to get his will done on earth? If God gave him his request, he would be encouraging sin. The important thing about prayer is not simply getting an answer, but being the kind of person whom God can trust with the answer. So if I'm praying, God, give us this day our daily bread, and, and, and you're thankful for that, and you're willing to receive that, God is also seeing a heart of which he can trust to give even a little bit more than that. Sometimes God withholds things because he knows he can't trust you with it. Amen? You may think, I need this and I need that, and you would mishandle it. You would mishandle it so badly. God knows what you need and what you don't need. This helps us prepare our hearts to handle things well, allowing God to, you know, I'm going to give you this because I believe you can handle it. Your heart is postured in that way. Then he goes on to say, lead us not into temptation. Um. This request here is really not as, as so much about avoiding never being tempted. But it's in a sense, God, God, God don't bring me into where I'm going to fall into it. Now turn to James chapter 1. This verse sums this up very well about God and His nature. James 1 verses 13 through verse 18. James chapter 1 verse 13. As we're going through this, dear Christian, think about your prayer life. Does it have to be worded just like this? No. Uh, but this, when you look at a cross-section of your prayer, it should resemble this. Okay? Uh, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Who believes that? God said it. We can, we can take it to the bank. We know it's true. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There's the payment for, for that. It, it's death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? Which we could also say comes from who? 
comes from God. And it cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of what? First fruits of his creatures. So we know, lead us not into temptation. You know, I know that his hand, I'm acknowledging God, your hands I know are going to guide me in the right direction. That you yourself will not plummet me into temptation. But I also know I'm in this world, I'm going to be tempted and it won't be by God. And so when I'm addressing God, I'm being thankful. Lead us not into temptation. And also we're assuming we know he won't. That's a request that we know we will receive a positive answer for. Lead us not into temptation. Will he do that? He will not lead us into temptation, right? Sometimes we pray for things that are so vain and so empty, so worldly, and that we don't get it when we say, God, you don't love me. You know what you've done? You have set yourself up to be bitter toward God. Because you prayed for things that your flesh wants. Instead of praying for things that are striving through the help of the Spirit to pray according to the will of God. And aren't you thankful too that when we sometimes mess up our prayer, the Spirit of God goes and He prays on our behalf? So God desires a, a, a His will formed prayer. And Christ says, here's what that looks like. It's for His glory and it's also for your good and to help you live for Him. There are two types of results from falling into temptation. It's this, thinking you don't need God. The other one is thinking all hope is lost, which results in you becoming bitter toward God. We don't want to fall into temptation because it is a trap to further disobedience and not follow the Lord. Then he also says this, deliver us from what? Evil. Can I ask you a question? If we pray God deliver us from evil... What kind of answer would come from that? Yes, I'll deliver you. I'll deliver you from, and let me just tell you something. You need to be praying that because you're in a world that the father of this, not the father, but the prince of this world, if you will, is the devil. You have enemies. You, ha you have the, the, ser the serpent, the dragon, the, the Satan himself, and all the powers that fall under his domain are after you. And the devil also uses people to, to carry out his agenda. There is evil in this world. All the forces that would do you harm spiritually, I think first and foremost, God deliver us from evil. You know what God will do? He tells us in James, draw not to me, and I will resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so praying in light of knowledge truly allows us to see Answer to prayers, that the answers that are more impactful uh, than praying one answer is to prayers that are very vain and selfish. But then we come to this last part, right? This last part here. Um, so he says, lead us not, lead us not into temptation. Um, or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, aren't you thankful that God does Give forgiveness. The Bible says that if, that, if, that if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us. We're talking about receiving positive answers from God. It's praying according to knowledge uh, to what Christ is saying. As we forgive others. You know, that's motivation to be forgiving. Amen? 
You know what that's telling me? Forgive me as I forgive them. Boy, that just, that sets the stage well for you. That I said, God, forgive me as I forgive them. You know what that, that motivates me? To forgive those. Forgive what kind of people? People that don't deserve it. People that's probably going to go and offend you again. That's going to be a repeat offender. Some people that maybe really want to appreciate that forgiveness because they're in doing the same thing again. So this is really healthy for you as a Christian. right? This is a good prayer. Forgive me as I forgive them. Do we ever add that to our prayer? Father, just forgive me. Just forgive me. This right here helps us condition ourselves to be forgiving to others. Christ knows how we are, doesn't he? He knows you better than you know yourself. I think it's wise to pray this. Lead us not into temptation. I didn't mean to skip that one. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this last part here, very final point. For thine is the kingdom. Let's say this together. Can we say this together? Ready to begin. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This whole prayer, right, is, is, is leading us. It began in, 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 in the, um, the goal of leading us that God is our all-sufficiency, right? When we come to this last part of this prayer, it's brought us full circle. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever. Amen. This takes us right back to God, you are my full sufficiency. One of the greatest tragedies for Christians is to think that God is not your all in all. You begin to think you're more self-sufficient. Right? That, that, that I'm the author of my, the blessings that come into my life. You're not. You're at the mercy of God in what He allows to come into your life. We are fully dependent on Him. Fully dependent on Him. And I believe when we look at this, if we conclude our prayer in such a way, listen, you can say, God, thy kingdom, power, and glory forever, amen, but if you do this with doubt and worry, you have not just met with the true God of Scripture. You're praying to someone else. But if you approach God truly believing and trusting in praying this, in your heart you are truly meeting with the God of heaven. If you meet with the God of heaven, you shouldn't be coming away with doubt and worry. How many times have you prayed and you've began with doubt and worry and you left with doubt and worry? You didn't meet with God. You went through a motion of prayer, a ritual at best. But Christ is saying, I'm wanting you to pray in this manner because this is who you are approaching. This is who you are, who you belong to. This is the prayer that's pleasing to him. This is the right kind of thanksgiving sacrifice of prayer. This ending reassures us who is in complete control. Let me ask you a question. I'm done. What brings you more peace? You in control or God? God. Because the only one that has the power to do this, what I'm getting ready to say, it's in Romans, it tells us this, that he works all things out for good to them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. It's not you, dear friend, taking the pen and writing your story. It's you molding your prayer life in a well that helps you to say, God, I'm surrendering this pen to you. I trust your hand with this pen, not my own hand. 
And when I get done praying, I'm going to leave that pen in your hand. I'm not going to take it from you and start writing my life again. Because I will tell you this, what you're doing with this pen, you're essentially drawing a brick wall for one day for you to run right into. But God writes provision. God writes uh, 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 in your life uh, ways to be molded to Him. He writes redemption. He writes all the things that you truly need. Can I tell you something? This prayer will take the pen out of your hand and put it in the hand of God. And that's what we need. More of God's people letting God write their story. And Many times it begins with how you pray to God in your prayer life. Can I ask you a question? Mr. Arb, if you'll come. Brother, Brother Eddie, if you'll come. Let's all stand to our feet. Appreciate you hanging in there with me. And I know this has been a rapid fire, but let me ask, let me ask you a question. If all, if all this world had to look at, to see God, was a cross-section of your prayer. Would God become obscure, or would they see God clearly? What kind of prayers, mom and dads, does your children hear you praying? You're molding them. They may not be, they're, like James and Henry, they don't, they're not saved yet. 